reading from the book of Psalm, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my inequity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me of eyesop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my inequities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me Today I want to start off with um, the pastor's corner. Now, if you notice that usually in the last couple of weeks I've been sharing about the pastor's corner because I'm on this restoration kick right now that in the past two years, that it was a two years ago this week that your pastor had his mini stroke. And if, you, if you're new to this church, you could say, I can see the effects of the stroke. No, that's just me. It's just, I'm this way, naturally. There was no permanent effects of the stroke. And so I went into this kick that I restored in order to restore. And in my prayer life, I really questioned that, thought my ministry was completely over because I wouldn't be able to speak. And, and that's vital part of pastoring, is preaching. And so I felt the Lord said, I want to restore you, and it's going to take 24 months to restore you with hurts and bitterness and narcissism and anger and, and uh, self-centeredness that needs to be cleansed in order for me to bring other people into restoration itself. And so this October will be the two-year anniversary of that, and that's why we're doing the relaunch of the church, because we're going to focus on restoration in our community, restoration, and restoration's hard. It's not easy. You know, you have to go in your life and deal with some really deep hurts that you have. And one of my things is, I'm too old to not have joy in my life. And so, therefore, we live in a society that's very angry and very divisive. And the Lord Christ, with our inner experience with him, that we can have joy and peace even in the midst of trials and tribulations. And I'm embracing that. I'm really learning that together. And so today, uh, if you notice, last week, restored in order to restore, the Apostle Paul, we, we did a prayer of the Apostle Paul's prayer. And this guy's prayer was so powerful about, I need to be restored. I need restoration in my life. And we prayed that together last week. And I looked at the, uh, the lectionary this week, and it's David. If anyone needed to be restored in order to restore was King David. 
Because David, if you think about it, our minimal understanding of Scripture, there's two stories that stick out. When David killed Goliath, and we know that, a triumphant, and then when David was thinking with the wrong organ, and he ended up sleeping with Bathsheba, and he ended up getting her husband killed. And that was probably the lowest point in David's life. But yet, his prayer was so powerful. And we sang his prayer, we read his prayer about restoration. Please restore me. And so, on the pastor's corner, I just want to share, last week, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the identity groups. It's on the screen. And, screen. and last week, we talked about Grace Track. And what we're doing is we're working on an 18-month small group. And we realized that small groups last about 18 months. And this, uh, this grace track is just the restoration, taking us through restorations as your pastor in the last two years, but going to do it down to 18 months. But restore what? And I put it on the screen, restoration in our relationships. There's a lot of things that we need restored in our marriages or our friendships or even our family. For me, this year it was a big year restoration with my brother and my dad. And restoration with a lot of people that I've worked with. Our finances, man, sometimes we can stress out about finances a lot. And uh, how do we get restored in that area that it doesn't control us, but we control our finances? Then we talk about health, being healthy, and, and, and uh, taking care of your physical body. We'll talk about emotions, how to have healthy emotions and how to have restored emotions. And as Angela is saying today, today about the restoration of one's soul. And so the second thing of his grace track where this where will be 11-week experience that uh, I'm so excited because we have a new recalibration team that we just met yesterday. And it's about 13 of you that will uh, help me in the recalibration and the the relaunch of the church. And I'm excited about the new ministries that are developing here at the church. And so this grace track will be, I'm taking my leadership through that 11-week experience of leaders, how to deal with the buttons that we have in our lives, how to be healed from our lives. And that will be 11-week uh, process of taking them through this, and then we're going to open it to the church in the beginning of January um, for that that uh, the grace track. And so today, I just want to focus real briefly on hospitality because Jesus was totally into hospitality. Jesus welcomed strangers. We know that, right? And he loved people tremendously, and he didn't want to be a stranger in people's lives either. He wanted people to welcome him. And so one of the things that we have, a strength that we have in our church, is a friendly church. Because one thing that we've done is when we have new people that come to a church, we send a survey to them that say, what is the best thing, uh, your experience here at Marina, and what is the worst experience? And by far the best experience that we get is it's a friendly church. You know what the worst one is? That's more in real. Service is too long. They, they want, hey, you know what? Sorry, I'll do a five-minute sermon. God bless you. God bless his word. <laughs> and, and so the thing is, this is one thing that we can really grow on, take our strength and make it stronger. Because one thing that we have to offer is we're a small church. 
And smart churches are easily to connect to. You got to understand, 90% of the United States goes to small churches. There is ministry for mega churches. They do great ministry. But people prefer small churches so they can build friendships, so they can connect. The world's hard. The world is hard during the week. And so, therefore, we want to come to a church that we just, it's almost like the theme song for Cheers. You know, everyone knows your name if you guys remember Cheers. I mean, I'm giving my age here. But, but that's one thing that I really want us to build our hospitality, to be more hospitable. Look on the screen. There's two things, two extremes. Being an insider click and the extreme is trying too hard at being weird. See, when somebody comes into the church sometimes, it takes a risk because they don't know what's going on in this building. You can't look through the windows and see what kind of craziness is going on during, on a Sunday morning. And so, therefore, we can develop clicks where all of a sudden you have a new person that goes, uh, no one's saying hi to me. And I'll just sit here. And during the greeting, where everyone's forced to greet, and then no one's saying hi to them, oh, that's sad, isn't it, That doing that? Or we have the other extreme, where we have someone that's totally over-friendly. Hey, how you doing? What's your social security number? <laughs> What's your mother's name? Why are you by yourself? Are you single? Are you weird? Are you strange? No, all this stuff. Nobody wants to be interrogated. They want to be greeted. So I want to give you a practical tool to use as we go into this recalibration. And I put it on the screen. It's called GIFT. And I really want to encourage you to practice this. Is when we, 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 we come together as a church, the first one is to greet one another. It's very easy to greet someone. Even when you see someone who's sitting by themselves, just to greet them and say, hey, thank you. Welcome to our service. Or my name is Kevin. And that's the next one is introduce yourself. Sometimes we have hi. Have you ever said hi with no eye contact? Hi. You know, I, sometimes it frustrates me when I say hi to someone, they don't say hi back. Have you ever had that when you're walking down the sidewalk and they automatically go to their phone? Because they don't want to see you. That's what's going on. So you go, hey, hi, then you're just crazy. You don't want to do that. But I always say good morning, and I get frustrated when they don't good morning. But, man, I love it when someone introduces themselves to me. Hi, handshake, my name is Kevin, my name is so-and-so. The other one is follow-up. Follow-up is interesting, follow-up or fellowship. Is, is when you see somebody at church again, follow up on them. Just to say, hey, it's good to see you. And I, I know 99% of you go, I don't know their names. Just do what I do. Hey, buddy. <laughs> That's it. You just call him buddy. I'm just giving you my whole thing. There's one time I tried to do this. I, I, I was making an appointment with somebody, and I didn't know their names. So this, I thought this was smart. Um, okay, you want 2 o'clock on Tuesday? Great. And how do you spell your name? F-R-E-D. I went, oh, shoot. I didn't know your name was easy. <laughs> you know, I was thinking it was a little complicated. And the thing is, it's good to thank people. Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for sitting at my aisle with me. You know, Eleanor and May, they do communion, set up the communion table every Sunday, and they clean up the communion every Sunday. Eleanor and May are the wonderful. You should see them in the back. They're like an old married couple, <laughs> the way they argue with each other sometimes. But they're the most gracious, loving, uh, 
ladies on the planet. And we just need to thank them for setting up communion all the time. We need to thank, yeah. Thanking Giovanni for doing the sound system all the time. Thanking, and you know, thanking the people that do the greeters, the ones that set up refreshments, the ones that volunteer for nursery department. They watch your kids. And the one that does children's church, they're all volunteers. So when you see them, it's good to just say thank you for doing this because church ought to be a safe place for all of us. And so, therefore, I want to encourage us in the next six weeks just to be nice and just to really take one of our strength and make it stronger. And so that's important to do. So let's pray and let's start the, start the message. Thank you. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to get in your word. We thank you for David's prayer. And we pray, Lord, that when it comes to restoration, man, that we will be open to restoration ourselves. We just thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Now, King David, I love King David. I love about David and Goliath. But the thing is, David, like all of us, had some major issues. Had some brokenness in his life. He had a, a life that needed fully restored. And he was a king. He had really anything he wanted he could do. But if you go on the screen, David, the one that was called the man after God's own heart, was also a man who had a flawed character. And so can I have a deep love for God and yet be flawed? Yes, that's me. And all of us are flawed, but we have a deep love for God. David had a deep love for God, but he was flawed. And how we learn from the brokenness, I put on the screen, our character flaws come from our habitual ways in which we live from anger or shame or fear and become false as a result. And so when we learn this, we, that David really had a shame struggle. And so therefore he had to compensate with his ego or his narcissism or, or, or his, goals his goals and stuff. And so you have to understand, David was known as a major liar. He told stories. That weren't true. And so this week in the Old Testament, David gets busted. And you have to understand that David saw Bathsheba. And he was on his temple. Uh, back then, uh, his country was at war. And uh, he goes, ooh, Bathsheba is good looking. And so he summoned Bathsheba over and ended up, and a lot of theologians believe this and pastors believe this, that Bathsheba did not participate in this, but she was raped. And so then David sends her back off and then realizes that Bathsheba's pregnant, then goes, I need to cover myself because this is what not a real man does. But so he decides to cover himself. He calls Bathsheba's uh, husband, who was in the front line in war, to have an R&R &R with his wife. His husband felt really bad that he, he had R&R &R and nobody else had it, so he slept on the steps of the temple and was never slept with his wife. And so David tried to cover, lived another lie, tried to cover himself, told him to hand this to this note to the, uh, the captain or the leader of the, the fighting the war, and basically to have Bathsheba's husband killed. And so you go, good night, this guy had some major issues. 
So then we learn on Scripture that he was challenged because God doesn't let you get away with stuff. And so it wasn't that like the law changed him or they had different news media that are following him and stuff like that. He got away with it. And so what's interesting, then a prophet came up to David and told him the story. And basically told the story about this man that had a sheep and he only had one sheep. And basically the man that had many took it away from him. And David got mad and he said, you are that man. And so David went into true repentance. And this was powerful because if you look on the screen, David's character of flaw was deceit. When God exposed David's deceit, David took a humble route and asked God to do something he could not do himself. He asked God to forgive him and remove his character flaws. This is where all of us have flaws in our lives that we're not proud of. Difficulty, brokenness that we don't embrace in our lives. And therefore we try to hide this, this brokenness in our own life. But David basically said, look, I need you to change this. I need you to restore this. I need to be free from this because this is tearing me apart and tearing others apart. And so when you look in Psalms 51, this kicking prayer of David is just so powerful that I want to take us through the prayer uh, ourselves as we uh, end the message. But if you look on the screen, what is it in you, in me, that is a barrier to loving yourself God and others well. There's, there's, there's a self-centeredness that all of us have that protects us, that hides this brokenness in our own life, that we don't trust people, or we don't trust to give our hearts, or we love very conditionally, and we don't want people to find this out. Now, I'm going to leave it on the screen for a while because I want us to reflect this because this is powerful. This is part of the rest restoration of all of our lives. And I'm going to lead us through a prayer that's based on Psalms 451, but it's based on four questions I'm going to ask you guys. I'm going to ask you guys a question, then we're going to pray. Then I'm going to ask you guys a question, then I'm going to pray. And I want you to answer it to yourself. This is not throwing it out there, throwing your junk out there. But the first question I want to ask you, and how I have to ask myself as well, is on the screen. Have you, how have my character flaws got me stuck? How is it God's calling me into this new freedom by removing these flaws? See, it's important to understand that we're called to live free lives. But with our brokenness in our lives, our flaws in our lives, create this cage that we live in, this isolation that we live in, that we don't want people to find out. And so I look at the beginning of prayer 51, and I go, dang, dude, this is strong. Because in the beginning of it, it's called what I call the prayer of repentance. Repentance is not a bad thing. Repentance is simply to change your mind, the way you think, the way you process things. Because I don't know if you've ever talked to somebody and said, hey, how in the world did you come up with that conclusion? Have you ever asked someone that? Where in mentally do you come up with that and say, this is the right thing to do? Because repentance is it's saying, you know what? I've got to change the way I process things. I've got to change the way I think. And so the beginning of the prayer, get, get this. This is David's prayer after he was confronted. Have mercy on me. 
God according to your faithful love. He knew the love of God, didn't he? And so he was saying, your faithfulness uh, according to your faithful love. Wipe away my wrongdoings according to your great compassion, your great love. Wash me completely clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin because I know my wrongdoings. My sin is always right in front of me. Man, that's a deep prayer. Because he knew I needed heal. And so as we look at, look at this, let's, let us pray. And let me do a prayer. And I just want to pray. And hopefully this is a prayer of yours as well. This is a prayer of mine. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to repent. We thank you for the opportunity to learn from David when he said says, according to your faithful love, how much you love us, and you love us unconditional. Forgive us, Lord, from our shortcomings. Forgive us from our anger, our judgment, our hatred towards other people. Forgive us from our narcissistic little attitudes. And I just pray, Lord, that you will forgive us, that you will cleanse us from all our unrighteousness, that we can begin to live in your identity, Lord. And not in the identity that our parents have given us or the church has given us or our spouse has given us. Let us live in your identity. Let those words be so relevant in our lives. We pray, Lord, that we can realize that all of us are loved. We are your children. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Now here's the next question I want to take us through. When King David, you get in the Word of God, it'll just knock you out. Okay, it's it's not sucker punches. I mean, if you want restored, get into the Word of God. The next question is, how am I suffering or causing suffering because of my main character flaws? Pride is number one that will mess everyone up. If you want to mess your marriage up and your relationships up, gravitate towards pride. That's the way to do it. You're not the problem. They are. And this is where it, it takes humility. And for me, this is why last week I, I told you guys, if I hurt anyone, I truly want to repent to you. Because the Lord made it clear that I've hurt other people without knowing. And so I want to throw that again. If I hurt you, please make an appointment with me. And I need to seek your forgive, forgiveness. The next part of this prayer it's called the prayer of illumination. This is the hardest. This is where David gets into it. Because our darkness in our lives, our defects, we want to keep them hidden, don't we? We don't want people to know my junk. I don't want you to know it. I want you to think that I'm happy, 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 and I don't have any struggles. Praise God, he has risen. My life is perfect since I accepted Jesus. No, it's not. I still have struggles. But the prayer of illumination really get a sober look at who we are. And this is where David prayed this, of illumination. Prayed, let me see what you see. And follow me this. Um, and I've sinned against you, you alone. I've committed evil in your sight. That's why you are justified when you render your verdict. Completely correct when the issues of your judgment. Yes, I was born in guilt and sin from the moment my mother conceived me. And yes, you want truth, the most hidden places? You teach me wisdom 
in the most secret places. So basically he's saying, look, illuminate this and give me wisdom in the darkness of my life. Don't we need the wisdom there? Because we avoid it? That's important. Now, I'm making emotional of this, and this is, this is, I was married before. I went in relationships, I had relationships before. I don't grade myself well in relationships. But I just happened to ask my wife, on a scale one to ten, where am I in a relationship with you? And I gave myself a number. And she looked at me and she said, I give you a 10. And I wept inside. Because that's part of the restoration is in the relationships and marriages. Because you have to deal with that darkness that prevents us from having an emotional intimacy with one another. And so this is where where let's, let's, let's go into a prayer that the Lord will illuminate the things in our life where it's difficult. But man, the restoration at the end of this is incredible. Let's pray. Father, we just ask you with courage but yet fear to illuminate some of the areas in our lives that have been dark there for a long time. I just pray, and I really feel the Lord's leading, even people that have children that have been violated at a young age that have held this and thought it was their fault. I pray, Lord, that you will illuminate that area of their lives, that they can be free from that shame and that guilt, and knowing that it's not them. I just pray, Lord, the failures that we hide in our own hearts and our own brokenness, let you illuminate those and realize that we can begin to stand again, that we can love again, that we can care again, that we can embrace the dreams that you've given us again. We pray, Lord, that we will not hold on to unnecessary suffering, that we will let go of the things that are just bringing us down and that we can gravitate towards you. We just thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. The question number three that I'm, I'm figuring out from this prayer is how am I being called back into the joy of union with God? This is so deep with me when you go and go, man, David, your prayer is crazy. Because it was prayer of union. A prayer of unity with the loving God that he, he had. And the thing is, David knew what is preventing him to truly love God and, and truly receive the love of God was his shame, was his guilt, was his brokenness, was his darkness, was his sin in his life. And so when he went to this prayer, he continued to prayer, and he wanted this deep union with God right now. And so you could tell by, by how this prayer is that basically his his desire was so deep that at first it had to be with God. Look on the screen. And this is so deep. Create in me, he says. A clean heart for me. His heart was so damaged that he said, create in me a clean heart, God. Put a new faithful spirit deep inside of me. That's the soul. That's the darkness 
That's, that's basically what Angela was singing about. Please don't throw me out of your presence. Please do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Return and get this, the joy of your salvation. Who doesn't want joy in their lives? I mean, I, I, let, let me do a class. Hey, would you join a class? I'm going to say how to live a joyless life in three different steps. Sign up. Nobody wants that because everyone's living that. This is why David knows my joy will only come from God. And it comes from here. It's an inner experience that nobody can take. Restore the joy. We are the most joyful in our lives when we are in union with one another and we're in union with God. When I restored my relationship with my dad, when I restored my relationship with my brother, when, and, and when I shared this thing about the gentleman that took my first wife that happened to come to church and seek to find forgiveness from something that happened 27 years ago, right there, and cried and gave me a hug and said, will you forgive me? Restoration. Man, that's where the joy, you start living the joy. Because you have no animosity towards anybody. You have no hurts. And I'm going to tell you right now, I can gravitate towards those hurts. Easy. But, or do I gravitate towards God? And so remove my character flaws, my weakness, my brokenness, my insecurities, that I can create complete scenarios of what other people are thinking before they say something. Have you ever done that? Will you look at someone? Let me look at someone. I'll look at David. Why are you mad-dogging me? <laughs> Ooh, that's, I just cannot be intimidating, can I? <laughs> Even if I do this, it ain't going to work, is it? I told my wife on the shirt that she's wearing, no judgment, uh, more love, less judgment. That gets you out of jury duty. Just wear that shirt. Then you want to serve in jury. Oh, let's pray. Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would just fill us with your joy. Let us be in union with you first. Let us, whatever separating us from experiencing the true joy that we have. And I pray, Lord, out of that joy that we, we embrace you, out of that restoration, out of that cleansing heart, out of that new spirit within me, let me give it to others, Lord. Let me be in union with others and union with you, Lord. And let us take the pride. If I need to seek forgiveness or you need to seek forgiveness, this is the day to do it. We thank you, Lord. Let us have new habits that are edifying you and break our old habits. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Last question. What opportunities do I have to restore others? I call this a prayer service. You're not restored so you can sit at home and put a nice little poster of yourself and say, look at me. Look how far I've come. You are a living testimony, a living story, a living hope for anyone. Nobody argues with your story. You can argue theology or something. It doesn't make any sense to a lot of people. But man, when they look at your life and they look at your story and how far you've come, it's incredible to see that. You know, I was looking at Jessica, who was just, uh, Jennifer, who was just reading. I'm talking about I've known Jennifer for four or five years. It's incredible the restoration that's taken place in that woman's life. It's incredible. You don't see it in your own life. But I just go, dang, how far that girl's come.
since her first Saturday service five or six years ago. And she came in the red glasses and basically said, I messed up. I need help. Right? That's basically what she said. And so seeing the restoration happening in her life is just incredible. And so, so the thing is, this is where, um, where we're called to pray to service and how she is serving others as well. Look on the screen. Then I, I will teach wrongdoers your way and sinners will come back to you. This is where David wanted to be this living story where he humbly would begin to teach people a better way through his brokenness. You can say, look, I've done all this crap. Oh, sorry. Somebody got on me about my language lately. When I get restored, I get a potty mouth. <laughs> But, but, but what, what I'm saying is, is, is when we look at this, that your mistakes become incredible wisdom. And so therefore you speak from experiences. And so let us pray that, that we can continue to serve you as we close. And then who is ever doing the prayers of the people, if you can come up during this prayer and continue to pray together. Let's stand. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. And we just pray, Lord, for your anointing. We just pray where there's conflict that we will be peacemakers. Where there's hatred, our lives will be radiate with love. Where people are doing harm, we will bring healing. Where people are doubting, we will inspire faith. When people are in despair, we will inspire hope. When there's darkness all around us, we will carry your light. We just pray, Lord, it will start today. And that when there's sadness, that you will bring joy. We just thank you, Lord, for David's prayer. We thank you, Lord, for David's wisdom through his brokenness. And that, Lord, how you restored him as a man after your own heart. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for the restoration that is beginning, that's taking place in our lives now. And that the celebration can be all year round of the restoration in this church. We just thank you in Jesus' name. And let's continue to pray.